Jesus, we see Jesus go up on a mountainside to pray. Later in Matthew, in chapter 26, verses 36, Jesus asks his disciples to keep watch while he goes and prays. In Mark 135, Jesus went off early in the morning to do what? To pray. In Luke 6:12, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, and it says that he spent the entire night praying. In Luke 5:16, we're told that Jesus often sought lonely places to pray. So he went off into seclusion. He went off where he could find quiet. He went off to where he could just focus on God alone for times of prayer. And then finally, in Luke 18:1, it says Jesus told his disciples a parable uh, to show them why they should always pray and why they should never give up. So he, he, he gave them this whole story uh, to explain to them the importance of prayer. Jesus prayed when he had wants. Jesus prayed when he had needs. He prayed for guidance. He prayed for peace. He prayed to give thanks. He prayed for others. And most importantly, and you need to hear this, Jesus also prayed for himself. The Christian prays. And there are no ands, ifs, or buts about it. If you consider yourself a Christian, a little Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ the King, then you pray. There's no way around it. There's no other option. Prayer is an important and integral part of that relationship, and it must become an important and integral part in your life. So the next question that poses itself is, okay, I have to pray. I should pray. I pray because Jesus prayed, but why or what should we pray for? What, what am I praying for? Well, there's a couple uh, pieces of advice we get in Scripture besides following Christ's example. And the first is found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, where it says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Forgiveness, first and foremost, requires humility. And prayer is an ultimate sign of humility. When you pray to Jesus, you are telling Jesus that you see him as powerful, that you see him as the answer, that you know that he can and will affect change, and that you know that you are not in control. And honestly, if we get down to it, and Jake kind of mentioned this earlier in his time of prayer, one of the biggest struggles we have is giving up that control. We like control. Maybe I shouldn't talk about you, I'll talk about me. I like control. I like to have my hand in everything. If it involves me, I want some control over it, whether that be where I work or, uh, you know, what my schedule looks like, all things. If Paul Huff is involved, Paul Huff wants control. And I struggle with it. I struggle to give control over to others. I struggle to trust others. And that unfortunately also includes at times Jesus. I come to a bump in the road and my first instinct should be to pray, but rather than to pray, I take everything on myself and I look at how can I, me alone, fix this problem. And the entire time I can feel Jesus nagging. Nagging may not even be the right term. That was probably wasn't the one to use, sorry Lord. But I can feel Jesus the entire time poking, saying, hey, do you, do you want some help with this? Would you like some input? What can I do for you here? And the entire time I swatted away like he's some sort of fly. I got this. I can control this. I can do this. I refuse at times to humble myself, 
to say that I don't have all the answers, to say that I need help. It's something that I'm working on. It's something that I'm getting better at. And maybe, just maybe, you find yourself in that same boat. Prayer is a recognition of God's superiority. It's telling him that I know you are the I am. You are the answer. You are the solution. You are the way. It shows our recognition of our need for him. What else should we pray for? The Bible tells us we should pray for strength and perseverance. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Isaiah recognized something that we all have come to realize at some point in our life. Okay? That is that life is hard. It's hard and it is tiring. Life is hard and it is tiring. It takes great effort. It takes consistency. It takes time and effort and energy to walk with the Lord. And even the youngest and the strongest will at times fall. Through prayer, which is an expression of hope. So it is a show of humility and it is an expression of hope. The Lord will renew our strength. I dare you to test him. He will renew your strength. So why we pray, when we pray, how do we pray? How should we pray? Well, the first thing we should do when we pray is pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. A lot of us, a lot of us struggle with this as well. I always give Christ an out clause in my prayer. I ask for something specific for a need or a want that I have. And I always follow that up with, unless you don't want to, or in the back of my mind, which is really happening a lot of the times, because let's be honest, sometimes our will, what we want, what we think we need, isn't what God's will is for us. It isn't what God thinks that we need. And he will answer prayers just in a different way than sometimes how we want. Sometimes that answer is no, and it's, hey, take this instead. And that can be a struggle. But a lot of times what's happening when I pray is, God, I need you to do this. In the back of my head, I'm thinking it's not going to happen. Just me being honest. It's my lack of faith. I pray for a need. I pray for a want. I I pray for healing. I I pray for God to do miraculous things. In the back of my head, I'm sitting there thinking, yes, it's really going to happen. I'm praying, but I just don't see it happening. So I'm preparing myself for the feeling of failure or letdown maybe that maybe my prayer wasn't good enough or maybe God looks at me and and doesn't love me like he loves others and maybe my request just isn't worth his time and he's got so much on his plate and, 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 and God is saying, what are you doing? Pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. Hebrews 14, 15 through 16 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. This is powerful and this is important. This high priest is Jesus. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, unlike us, when he faced that temptation, he did not sin. 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace. That is an important part of your prayer life. You need to understand that you are approaching a throne of grace. It's not a throne of what you deserve. It's not a throne of how you might be worthy. It is a throne of grace. And grace is a gift. In spite of your flaws, God's throne of grace is there to gift you with what it is that you need and at times want and desire. It is a throne of grace. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This verse should be an encouragement to all of us because we serve a Christ who has been through the life that we have lived on earth. He has faced every single temptation. So he understands your struggle. He understands why you are tempted. He can even understand why you have fallen to that temptation at times, even though he himself did not. And because he understands that, you can approach him with confidence, knowing that he can empathize with you, that he can feel what you're feeling and know what you think you are knowing, and that he can and will address those needs, those wants, those desires, so that we may receive, as it says, mercy and find grace in our time of need. Because he knows, because he knows and he sees, he sees, we can pray knowing that what we ask for and whatever we ask for, we can ask for confidently and expect help. We can expect help. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, obviously in comparison to God, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We are imperfect. We fail. We are far from always having the correct answer and correct response as loved ones and as parents. But God is perfect. God is perfect. And if we, the imperfect, can still give good, loving gifts to those that we care for, think how much more God can bless us. God will bless us. But there's a caveat. There is a caveat. He will give good gifts to those who ask him. He wants communication. He wants relationship. He desires that. It's why he sent Christ in the first place, because he wanted there to be a way for him to have a relationship with all people. It's why he had the Israelites in their walk through the wilderness fashion an ornate place of meeting so that he could be among the people. He loves us. He wants relationship with us. And yes, he knows what it is that you need, but he still would like for you to ask. He would still like to hear from you. We should also pray with purpose, with purpose. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Yet he still would like you to speak to him. This should be a great comfort for those of you who at times struggle with prayer. This should ease your fears and your tensions. Prayer does not need to be ornate, long-winded, or public. It just needs to happen. It needs to happen. You don't have to pray in front of people. You don't have to wail loudly and let your needs or your wants be known. You're asking God to provide. You need to speak with him. You need to be with him. So it doesn't need to be with many words. It doesn't need to be with an immaculate vocabulary. It doesn't have to be extremely long. It certainly doesn't need to be public. In fact, if this scripture is to believe, private, short, sweet, and to the point, maybe way better. Most likely is way better. What's most important, rather than the length of our prayer or the words we use, is the focus and the purpose with which we pray. Why are you praying? Be specific. Be specific. Be bold. Have confidence. Go into your prayer life with a purpose. One of the most powerful prayers I've ever prayed in my life was two words, God help. God help. Help came. Now I could talk to you for 20 minutes about that situation, but I needed two words. And he knew. He knew how. He knew when. He knew what. He knew. Two words. Two seconds. God answers prayers. Whether they be two words or 200. Speak to him. Speak to him. Listen to him. When we pray, pray with purpose and focus and pray for the Father's will above all else. Pray for the Father's will above all else. Not, not a lack of faith, okay? Not that whisper in the back of your head that says, this probably isn't going to happen. But an expression of faith that says, God, this is what I want. This is what I think I need. This is what I desire. But if, but if you're telling me I don't need this, and even though I want this, I shouldn't have it, and even though I may desire this inside of my heart, it would not be good for me to receive, then whatever you say is best, make it happen. Let it be so. It is humility. It is faith. It is recognition of his superiority all in one. Why? Because he knows what it is that we need. So Jesus, following the passage we just read, gives them an example of a prayer, the Lord's Prayer. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to to deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Today, we might say something like, God, you're good. You are so good. May your wants be our wants. May they come true. Give me what I need. Forgive me of my wrongs. Help me to forgive others. Give me strength against temptation and Satan. Or, or, God help. God help. But this prayer that Jesus gives us, it gives praise, it asks for forgiveness, it seeks God's will, it asks for provision and strength and protection, it covers all the bases. Everything that we could possibly need. So we've talked about how we should pray, why we should pray, when we should pray, what we should pray for. Now we're talking about when we should pray. When should we pray? The answer, really easy one, always. Always. We should always pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. I'm going to read a whole bunch of different translations. It's going to be fun. 5, 17 says, pray continually. Or pray without ceasing. Or never stop praying. Pray constantly. Pray all the time. A couple of my favorites that I found. Without ceasing, pray ye. I really like that one. I was going to try to find some chain mail. I was going to put it on just for that one. Loved it. That was my favorite until I found this last one. No matter what happened, make time for talk to God. Or a time. That's pigeon. It's a translation. Yeah. When do we pray? Always. Pray always. Pray continually. This verse, as much as any other's, in the Bible has formulated my thoughts and my view on prayer. Prayer to me is much less a compilation of individual moments and more an ongoing expression of being with God. I think that's really important. I think it's really important. So important, in fact, that I have come to hate amens. I hate amens. I don't like saying amen at the end of a prayer. It's a habit I built over 30 some odd years, so I have a hard time not saying amen, but I hate amens because amen says, God, I'm done talking. Amen says, God, I'm done listening. Amen says, this is where you can help and you can't help any further. Please stop here. It's like one of those gates that lets you into certain parking lots, say amen, and it drops. You keep God on that side and you go wherever you're going. I hate amens. They close conversations. They stop progress and they stop movement. It's almost as if they tell God you're done speaking and hearing. Now, I will say it's a pretty important part of public prayer, right? You just are praying publicly with a group of believers and you don't say amen. Everybody looks around awkwardly like, is it? Maybe we should just say I'm done for now. (laughs) I know what to do with both of you after this. Prayer should not be limited by time or place 
or anything. Just as God is not limited by time or place or anything. Prayer is one of, if not the most important part of our pursuit with Christ and of Christ. We have to be able to communicate. We have to be in communication. If we are not willing to speak to him, we are also oftentimes not willing to listen either. And we cannot walk this walk. We cannot live this life without his presence and without his input. And if we want that, if we want Christ's presence, if we want his input, if we want him to impact our life and to make changes, then we have to include him in our life. We have to make him a part of it. And he wants to be a part of it. He wants you to speak to him. No matter too small, no matter too big, he wants to hear from you on a daily basis throughout your day. Communication is the foundation for a successful marriage, and we are the bride of Christ. And if we want to hold up our end of this relationship, we have to pray. We absolutely have to pray. So pray. You may feel like you stink at it. I teasingly give out grades for prayer sometimes. I know it's not appropriate. It's childish. But somebody will pray, I'm like, C+. Right? <laughs> Just because I'm immature. And I know at times they worry about it. But I also do it to be facetious because here's the thing. There is no such thing as anything less than an A-plus prayer. There's no such thing. Anytime you talk to God, whether you mumble, stumble, slur, stutter, there is no such thing as a less than perfect prayer. You need to speak with your Father in heaven. You need to speak with his Son. You need to receive the guidance of his Holy Spirit. And that happens when you are willing to talk and when you are willing to listen. Hopefully today I've made my point. I will tell you this. If you are one that struggles with prayer, start with one word, God, and just listen. Start with two. Start with three. God, thank you. God, show me what I need. Whatever it is, Find a starting place and begin. Because if prayer is not a part of your life, it absolutely needs to be. And here is what I mean when I say that. Because some of you out there thinking, I pray all the time. Well, my question for you is, then how often do you pray for yourself? Because here's the thing. The purpose of prayer is not for others. That's who we pray for all the time. I know I'm, I'm long-winded today, but get over it. I'm in control. Have the mic. The purpose of prayer is not for others. Don't get me wrong. It helps. It is good to go to the Lord on the behalf of someone else. But 
We have been gifted prayer for us, for our needs, for our relationship. And if you are unwilling to pray for yourself, then you are not showing humility. Even if you think it is an expression of humility. God did not ask you to fall on your sword. God has never told you that you're not worthy of his time. Pray. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to pray. As I pray, the band's going to come up. We're going to finish with worship. And during that time, I would ask that you pray. No matter how long or how short, spend that time focusing on God. And then worship. Worship. However you worship. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. We know we are blessed to have you as our God. We know we have been blessed by Christ coming down and walking this earth and knowing what it is to live the life that we have lived and going then to die on the cross so that we might experience forgiveness. God, help us to accept that grace and that gift of forgiveness. God, give us the desire for communication and for prayer. Give us what it is that we need. Forgive us of our wrongs. Help us to forgive others in the ways that they have wronged us. Give us what it is that we need, whatever it is that we need. Protect us from temptation. Keep Satan away from us. We ask these things confidently, with humility, in Jesus' powerful name, because we know, we know that you can and will make a difference in our life. I'm done for now. I'll be back somewhere to pray. Allie, can you go stand? Allie will be over here under the screen if you'd rather pray with a young lady instead of myself. I won't take offense to that. She would love to pray with you, as would I. It would be our honor today. If you need someone to pray with you, maybe to help you with that first prayer that's maybe taken place in a long time, come talk to us. Come pray with us. Jacob, I have you stand behind underneath that television. So both televisions, somebody underneath to pray. I'll be right back in the back by the sound booth. Come pray. Otherwise, stand right now. Worship God. Give him what it is that he deserves. Listen and do.